house yeah that's right so we have a uh a new series it's called because i'm happy mike made a joke he, his his first title was uh, that he sent me was uh, unlocking the ancient secrets of happiness and i said mike i can't fit that on facebook there's a character limit when i go to promote these sermons so just kidding but uh we changed it around to happy and there's a pharrell song is that how you say his name pharrell I always get confused between that and Farrell. Like, Pharrell comes out, and I want to say Farrell. Anyways, Pharrell um, has got a song, and I promise before the series is over, we're going to learn it and play it. For Mike can come dancing in from the back doors and something like that. All right, let's welcome up Pastor Mike. I may be absent that Sunday. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, you've, uh, you've led us in the worship songs today. You've said uh, through these words that we will not be shaken. That who you are is a loving, good Father, and who we are is loved by you. And uh, those are not just words that someone wrote. Those are truths that someone has discovered. And so we are here today to understand and to plumb the depths of that love and to experience all that you have for us. Would you illuminate what the Psalms has to say about our lives? Would you let us put down our defenses from your spirit? Because you're calling us into a deep place. Even the trials that many are going through, the, the past that we have lived through are not in vain. But they are things that you want to use so that our latter days are greater than our former days. You are the God of latter day reign. You're the one who takes everything that has been stolen from us, everything that has been twisted in us, and you untangle it and you make it beautiful. Sometimes we resist you because it's painful. But your desires for us are always true. And your view of us comes from a future glory. It's hard for us to trust what we cannot see. And yet what we cannot see is more real than what we do see. I call, O Lord, would you pour out faith in our midst? to believe what we haven't seen, what we haven't experienced, to be more real to us than what we have. To call what is not as though it is because of our trust in you. We want to see the extraordinary, not the ordinary. The extraordinary. The work of your spirit. We want to be a part of something epic. For Jesus' sake, amen. Uh, you see, my mind looks old. Secrets of happiness, a study in the Psalms. His looks like, like Pharrell. <laughs> He's a better marketer than I am. Uh, I'd like you to read with me from Psalm 1. We're going to start right at the beginning of the Psalms. This summer, we're going to 
We're going to go after what the Psalms has to teach us about true happiness. So I'd like you to read out loud with me this psalm. Uh, It's a short one. Let's read together. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, this first psalm is the first of basically the hymn book of the Bible. It's the book of of praise, choruses. It's the book of hymns to the Lord. And this first psalm is actually the gatekeeper to the whole book. And many scholars have said that this is actually the summary of everything the Lord wants you to know in the psalms. And in some ways, the summary of everything you need to know in the Bible. And the first thing that I'd like you to look at, the first principle here that I'd like you to look at, is that the very first word spoken by the psalmist in the first hymn of the hymn book is not, blessed is God, it's blessed is the person. Isn't that interesting? That God in his focus even on worship, cares about you. And that it is the will of God, it is the plan of God, that you live experiencing a blessedness. Now the word blessed there literally means happy. But it is not just a superficial kind of happiness. It is a deep-rooted happiness that has to do with joy, even a joy that is indescribable or unspeakable because it's so real and so powerful that it manifests in a sense of deep fulfillment and even of a completeness of satisfaction. So this psalm is saying to you, first of all the simple principles, is that it is possible to be happy. All right, so I want you to say this with me, all right? It is possible possible. to be happy. happy. Now, some of you believe it right off the bat, and others of you are skeptics. So I want all of you to take your righteous finger, not the unrighteous one you use in your car, not that any of you would ever do that, all right? If you're familiar and friendly with the person next to you, poke them with that finger. If you're, just, if you're just acquaintances, look them in the eye and say to them, it is possible for you to be happy. <laughs> I 
Now, there's a couple reasons I do that. One is it is, a, it is for many of us a difficult thing for us to believe that I can be happy. It is not so difficult for us to believe that it's the right or the privilege or the honor of the person next to us to be happy. We want them to be happy. We're afraid of being happy. We want our children to be happy. We want our friends to be happy. But we're almost ourselves afraid to even believe it's possible that we could be happy. So we redefine happiness so that it doesn't really matter to us. Or we redefine it so it's not an experience for us. It's not Christian. And yet, throughout the Psalms, throughout all of the praise, throughout all of the will of God, through Jesus' most powerful sermon, he says over and over again, God says he wants you to experience a true happiness. And so in some ways, when I say this phrase, it's possible to be happy, it's a bit of a test. It's somewhat of a test of you as to where you're at. And everything I'm going to say about the Psalms over this period, this season, is not going to be that that new to you, it's not going to be that complex, but it is going to keep poking at you. And it's going to ask this question, if these things are true that the Bible says, then why am I so unhappy? And the other question is this, since they are true, then shouldn't I be deep down fundamentally, when people look me in the eyes, no matter what I'm going through, Shouldn't they see a happiness that is real and that is ever deepening because every day you're getting closer to heaven? Well, part of the problem is that we don't really understand this Psalm 1 all that well. Notice how the psalmist describes the blessing's source. He says, you are like a tree planted by the stream or the river of water. Now, of course, it's an illustration, but there's something more to this. The Bible teaches that even right now, there's a river that flows from heaven, from the very throne of God. In that river is all the provision and all the presence of God. Now, God is such a good creator and such a good God that there is a thing that theologians call common grace. And what that means is rain falls on evil people and it falls on good people. The sun shines on good people and the sun shines on bad people. God is a good God. He, he has not forgotten His creation. But the promises of God are to you, His children. The promises of God are to those who have come into right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Notice a tree does not plant itself. A tree, you, your life, your heart, your mind, your will, has been planted by a river of life. The Bible describes it this way. It says, The kingdom of God is not found in eating and drinking, but rather in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, the river is the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
bringing all the promises of God. In Ephesians 1, it says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. There's a river for you as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a young person in Christ. There's a river for you that is not the river for everyone. It's a river that is exclusive to the manifest presence of God. Now, I've explained this before, but let me just describe it again. Everybody gets the omnipresence. God is everywhere present. That is his common grace to us. That is his way of keeping us alive. His omnipresence is survival. But his manifest presence is thrival. In his manifest presence is the fullness of joy. In his omnipresence, you can be just as sad as can be. But in his manifest presence, there's a river. There's a river flowing for you. It's a river of provision. It's a river of presence, but it's a river that only comes through promise. It cannot be directly accessed. Now, Lisa has, over the years, trained me, (laughs) reformed my opinions, to where now my default TV station is HGTV. <laughs> it used to be ESPN, and now it is HGTV. And my latest two somewhat addictions are uh, two shows called uh, Beachfront Bargain Properties and Lakefront Bargain Properties. I think because I'm just wanting to escape all the time or something to the beach. But uh, they're, they're fascinating programs because they go all over the place finding these, these, these you know, inexpensive beachfront bargains. Where if you go south, a bargain's 100000 Around here, it's 500000 or something. You know, so it's, it's still way out of my range. But, but just I live vicariously through their successes. And when it's really cold, I watch the Caribbean bargain properties, you know. Uh, but one of the things that, you, one of the things that I've, I've, I've been fascinated by is everybody who, want, who has this incredibly low budget wants to be on the beach and have their own beach. Or they want to be right on the lake, and they want to have a dock for their boat, and they want all this stuff. And there's this, this demand and entitlement, and the real estate agent is going, this is going to take a miracle. Because they want, you know, they want everything new, they want everything perfect, and then they want to be on the beach and they want it for $100,000 or something like that. And it's the insanity, in a sense, of, of the way that we all think, I should have direct access and it should cost me nothing. You do not have direct access to the river. You do not have direct access to this stream. The means by which you get access is through Jesus' own sacrifice. It is through his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, and it is because he offers it to you as the righteousness of God for you that you receive by faith. It is by faith that you access the river. But you're planted there. And what I began to realize as I read this is that almost all of us, when we start out in life, we think happiness should be just natural. 
You ever notice kids' greatest complaint to their parents or to adults is, I'm bored? Well, why do they say that? Because they think it's natural for them to be entertained. What they're really saying is, you're supposed to make me happy. But as you live a little bit, you begin to realize life is not easy. And so you start realizing happiness is nowhere as easy as you thought it should be. As a matter of fact, most successful, gifted, smart people are skeptics. And they are cynics about life. As a matter of fact, almost all great literature is classified as tragedy. Shakespeare is more known for his tragic stories than he is for his comedic stories. I thought about this on another level. Almost never do you see best actor in the Oscars given to a comic or to a, to a, a comedy. You see it to someone who's got a disease they're going to die from. You see it from people who lose so much weight you don't want to look at them anymore. You see it from people who've been socially ostracized. In a way, there's no weight to what's funny, and there's always weight to what is sad. So we get to the place where many people believe happiness is unachievable. So what we find often is that we have people in all three of these camps, but these are not biblical camps. The Bible teaches that happiness is not natural, but it is achievable. Now listen to me. If this river where the peace and the joy and the righteousness, in the righteousness there's cleansing, there's forgiveness. As a matter of fact, when you get in the river, all the sins get washed downstream. Guilt, shame, it all cannot stay in the river. The presence of God, fullness of joy in the river. But it's not, it's not from you. It's for you, but not from you. It doesn't, in a sense, you could say it's alien to you. It's apart from you, that there's only one way to experience it, and that's to begin to say, I have to have a source that's different than me and than anyone else. So, you know, we ask the question, then, if it's possible, why do so few people get it? Well, Psalm 1 says it's because they seek it wrongly. The real happiness offered by God is a fundamental happiness, not a superficial one. Many of us probably understand well what it is to experience pleasure. Pleasure is something that can give you at least a temporary sense of happiness. And in that pleasure, you can actually be distracted. And even the guilt after the pleasure often was distracting in and of itself. But the problem is it's not real happiness. It's superficial. It's like the chaff. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow, but it leaves a lot of residue. The, the happiness that the psalmist is talking about and that God offers to you comes from the, the reality that the tree, you, are subjected to the seasons. So the tree that that the Bible's talking about here that, that doesn't wither when there's a drought and still bears fruit even though there's been a difficult growing season, that tree has a source which is deep and fundamental and a source which is constant and sustaining. Matter of fact, 
What the Bible is saying is whether you know it or not, you were planted by a river that has a continuous supply. But you will be subject to the seasons of life. Your outward might seem like it's perishing, but inwardly you are understanding what it is to be sustained. Persecuted, not destroyed. Crushed, but not defeated. Cast down, but lifted up. See, the first major mistake that most of us make is we think our happiness is found in externals. Happiness never consists in what happens to you, but it consists in the source of your life, an unseen, all-sufficient supply of life that we draw on. In 2 Peter 1, he explains it this way. He says that when you have come to Christ, you become a partaker, a participant, a receiver of the divine nature. In other words, everything that God is supplying through the river is everything he is and everything he has. See, if your happiness is based on externals, you will never be patient. And you'll always have an excuse for your impatience. If your happiness is based on externals, you will be an angry person because anger motivates and moves the externals. If you are an externally motivated person, you will be anxious because there are so many things that you cannot control. And the only thing that seems to give you any kind of sense of chemical control in your own brain is when you feel anxiety. The problem is the cost of that is your happiness. And some of you might say to me, well, you know, I am a cynic and a skeptic, and basically I'm just numb. You'll never know joy through numbness. By not feeling pain, you will also not feel joy. The body just shuts down. The brain shuts down. Some people will say to me, I, I long to be passionate for Jesus. Then face your pain. Face your pain. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. This tree is going to experience all that the seasons have to offer. Summer is wonderful until August. And then it's hot. Right now, it's freezing. We have no idea why. But August is coming. And the air conditioners will run. The winter. I almost was ready to go to Florida this past winter with Pastor Dan. It was ridiculous. And it never ends. If winter would end after Christmas, I would be a happy guy. I like Christmas to be cold. And then I want summer. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot, will not, ever control the seasons. Even if you move to Florida, it's stinking hot down there. And filled with old people. No, sorry. (laughs) I'm in trouble now. I am one. You understand what I'm saying is I am inviting you into a relentless joy. 
I am inviting you into something that doesn't go away because the season changes. 1 Peter 1.6 says it this way, You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. It's important that we get this. We're saying it's not superficial. It's not external. It is fundamental. What I would like to have you say and have people say about you is I see in you a fundamental joy even when life is oppressive. That is not the externals that make you joyful, but there is a stream that flows that you know, that you've experienced. See, here's the thing, friends. The tree gets planted there. The Spirit of God plants you by the river, but you have to decide where the roots grow. And many of us, what we do, we get planted and we start growing our roots back to where we came from. Even the Israelites said there are onions and tasty things in Egypt. They were planted by another river, but their roots were going back to slavery. You have to decide. No one can decide for you that the river is your delight. But once you do that, your roots have to go deep. There's a picture that I had as I was thinking on this of of two trees. Remember when Sandy came through? All those giant trees laying on houses, cars, on people's lawns. And what did you see? Very small, very short roots. Why? Because there was water on the ground. The roots didn't have to go deep. So when the storm came, they toppled over. Those were huge trees. Very, very little root system. I was in Jordan, and I've seen pictures in Jerusalem, and there are these olive trees, and you sit there and go, how can that olive tree possibly survive? In the midst of the green of the olive tree, there's nothing but sand and rocks. I can see no source of water whatsoever. And yet, those roots have gone so deep down that they found the water table. There's some trees in Jerusalem that are 1,500 years old. They've they've x-rayed the roots, and they see the roots go around rocks, down until it gets down to the deepest part of the water. And they say that the olives there are the best in the world. And the olive oil from there is so expensive, I'll probably never get to try it. (laughs) Because it's so precious. And so amazing from these 1,500-year-old trees that not only survive but thrive. That's who you're called to be. You're not going through the things in life because you have a mean God or not just because life is unfair. You're going through those things so you learn to tap into a source, a supply that will make you flourish. The tree, because it's going through a difficult season, may put its roots deeper down. There's something about the difficult times that make you find your source of joy at a much deeper level. Not frivolous, 
not superficial. See, many of us will say to people, I believe these things. I believe in the love of God. I believe in the power of God. But do you understand them? You only understand them when the externals take everything away from you. It's then that your truth becomes experiential truth. It's then that you begin to say, this is not theory. This is reality. In some ways, it's important that you realize that his right hand will, his righteous right hand will only uphold you when you stop upholding yourself. He will not compete with your weak right arm until you let your right arm go down in surrender and yieldedness. Happiness then is not found by controlling your environment, but it your happiness reveals what your allegiances are. Let me, let me put it another way. Happiness can never be found or gotten directly. Always it's a byproduct of seeking something else that has worth. Have you ever seen in the Bible, blessed are those who seek blessedness? No, it says blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are they that mourn. It's always a byproduct is the blessedness. The focus is what matters. And the thing that you focus on will either give you that happiness or it will take it away. See, the test that every one of us is asked all the time, and the enemy knows this test so well, is the test is will you seek righteousness Or will you seek happiness? And see, what he wants you to think is that if you seek righteousness, you will never have happiness. But the reality, spiritual reality is this. If you pursue righteousness, you will have righteousness and you will have happiness. But if you pursue happiness, you will not have righteousness and you will not have happiness. See, here's the thing. When happiness is your highest priority, when it's the most important thing to you, then all the standards you say that you believe in, all those standards are now subject to your need for happiness. I began to realize this as a young seminary student. I was working with this crew of people, and there was this group of women that I worked with who were all church-going women. They were worshipers of Jesus. They called me reverend. And uh, they said, you know, I just love to praise Jesus. I just love to praise Jesus. And I, I, they were sincere, and they were true. And I, but I couldn't figure out that all it took was a man with a good line to get them to drop their standards. Most of them, hardworking, church-going women, had children by six different men. And I said, how can it be? How can it be? Well, it can be because their priority was their happiness. And when falling under the spell of a man made them happy, even though they knew it would leave them with grief, regret, and everything else, they chose happiness. But what they got was neither happiness because that man rejected them once he had what he wanted from them, They had now responsibility. 
the consequences of their actions. Now they had to provide for and take care of. And they had tremendous guilt and shame. And yet they were very real and sincere that they loved Jesus. They just didn't believe that seeking Jesus alone would make them happy. They didn't understand that simple truth, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means don't drop your standards in a moment of temptation, when the seduction is about your bliss, and then all these things, including your happiness, will be added to you. In a sense, you're walking down a road, and there's always two paths in front of you. And the one is the illusion of happiness. And the other is clearly marked righteousness. That which aligns with your allegiance to God. That which aligns with your allegiance to the kingdom. Now, the one that seductively and deceptively says happiness looks a lot easier. And the one that says righteousness is filled with cost. I had this terrible shoulder injury. And they gave me painkillers. And I wasn't used to painkillers. Man, you talk about a high. For a little while, all pain was gone. I told Lisa, don't talk to me right now. (laughs) Turn off the TV. Just for a little while. And every day I got more and more dependent on them. Because the pain didn't go away. Pain didn't go away. And Lisa looked at me and says, I think you're getting dependent on this. I said, yeah, but, but you don't know how much pain I'm in. You don't know how bad my shoulder is. I can't sleep at night. Always excuses for the happiness illusion. He said, Lisa just kept praying, kept seeking, and I, I began to realize I am, I am way too connected to this. So I stopped it. But I experienced withdrawals. See, the, the path of the kingdom sometimes involves withdrawals. And the withdrawals make it seem like happiness is not the end of this road. But because I stopped it, because I prayed, Dr. Lena, I don't know if she's in on this one, Dr. Lena, Matthew, said, hey, I can help you with something. And she did some things to manipulate my shoulder. And I, I still had pain. And I said, Lord, even if I have to live with this pain, I'm not going back to those painkillers. Well, I didn't know what the end would be, but I kept ministering, even in my weakness. And I kept ministering in my pain. And I got to Ecuador, and it was really painful on the trip. And it was very, you know, I was very tight. But all of a sudden, I was worshiping God in Ecuador, and I raised my hand, and I had no more pain. Now, if I had taken the root of happiness, I'd still have the pain and the addiction. But because I took another route that I didn't know what the end would be, I neither have the addiction nor do I have the pain. But even if I'd continued in the pain, I will not go back to be a slave to something that wants to control me. 
I will not give my allegiance to something that wants to own me. Am I making sense to you in this? Every one of us, you see, has compromised our standards for the priority of our happiness. And then we have wondered why we had neither happiness nor standards. The road is narrow that leads to happiness. And it's filled, it is filled with costs because happiness is a responsibility. This is not an easy thing for me to share with you, but I, I feel the Spirit of God calling you to a deeper level of access to the river. But you have to choose it. You have to decide, this is what I want. I will make, no one can make you happy. I have a wonderful wife who I picked on in the other service because she wasn't here at all. (laughs) She was praying. I hope they didn't record it because I'll be in trouble. It's probably there. But here's the thing. If she becomes the source of my happiness, she becomes an idol. She becomes a false god. In many ways, the way that we come to God himself is just to be the source of our happiness, which means he has to do what we want him to do, which makes him not God but a butler. And he is not your butler. And I've started to realize that so many of the externals that I have, I have said, this is my source, this is my source, those things, even if they are good things, they become an idol. And they are actually in the way of my true happiness, my true satisfaction. When I first became a pastor and started doing weddings, I hated it. It was one of the things that was most aggravating to me because I really like it when people listen to me. And those early weddings I did, they weren't listening to me at all. They just had moonbeams in their eyes. And I would look at them and I said, you're not seeing the truth. You're saying this person is the source of my joy. And you're saying that this person is going to be the source, the river of my life. And that person is not going to be the river of your life. That person is going to turn, and instead of being the illusion you thought they were, they're going to be a real person. And when you find out what men actually do in private, you're not going to want to be a roommate with them anymore. (laughs) When you find out that this guy you thought was your hero is actually a zero, (laughs) you are going to be so upset, and you're going to begin to talk to him in a voice that he will find equally upsetting that will be like a dripping faucet at night. And then he will say, she sounds just like my mother. (laughs) And realize he married his mother. And then my shortest, I have a good record with weddings, but my shortest one ever was four months. But I knew even as I was counseling them, this is not going to last because they're lying to each other. She's his idol. He's her idol. And they're going to be angry when they find out their idol cannot provide. Their idol will not be their source. You see, even if you have a great marriage, even if you're single, even if if your job is wonderful and great, which 
which I hope it is, there's a river that's better. Even if you have great friends, they, that friendship that gives you such joy is merely telling you there's a God. Because that's just the taste of the joy that he has for you. I, I love my wife, but the source of my love for my wife is not my wife. It is the river that flows in our house. He makes me happy. I bring it to her. He makes her happy. She brings it to me. In this church, the source of our joy is not this church. It's not even each other. Though the joy we have in each other points us to the source, the river that your tree has been planted by. Would you stand with me? Can you receive what I'm saying today? Some of you, it's time to go deeper with your roots and to say, my roots are going to go all the way to the water table. I may be living in a desert, but I'm not going to live in a drought. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to invite you, if, if particularly today, I just sense this. We're going to take a couple minutes more. I'd like you to come up here and stand with me and say, I, it, this is clarifying. I'm going to go for this. I'm going for the river in a deeper way. Even if you've touched, touched it, tasted it before, but you just sense today God is calling me to a new level. He's, he's telling me my roots are going deep. I'm growing my re- roots towards the river, not towards my old life. I'm growing it towards Jesus. I'm growing it towards the Holy Spirit. I'm growing it towards the peace that I long for, that I was made for, the joy that I, I believe to be fundamental, not superficial. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hands up like a little child to your father. It's time to jump in the river. Remember when your dad would say to you, go ahead and jump, I'll catch you. That's what I see. I see the father with his arms outstretched saying, this river's for you. You know, I'm going to show you how to swim in it. And he's asking you to take a dive. Jump in, jump in. Will you say this with me? Father, Father I, receive I receive your invitation, invitation to the river. To the river. I, believe I believe there is righteousness for me. There is peace for me. There is joy for me. This is my heritage, is my heritage. As, a as a child of God. You have planted me, have planted me. as a tree. By the river river that never runs dry, dry. I extend my roots roots to the river. river. What I just call down filling now, fresh filling, joy, laughter. There's a specific word, I don't know if it's for all of you, but there's some of you where life has been so heavy on you that it's, it's more like life is on your shoulders crushing you. I'm going to ask, would you, just, would you let Jesus just take that burden right now? 
responsibility, give to him. If, if that's for you, would you say this with me? I give you my responsibilities, Lord. My burdens, my guilt, my sense of shame, my fear. It's not for me. I give it to you. All my anger, my impatience, I give it to you. See, that's the Lord saying, take my yoke, not, not you take your yoke. Lay it down with him. Now, there, there's a, a second thing coming, and it's the word glory. In the Bible, the word glory is also heavy, but it makes you to where you're unshakable. It makes it to where the wind comes, but it won't blow you over. The rains come, everything, whatever can come at you, it doesn't matter. You will be unstoppable, unshakable. Would you receive his glory right now, the weight of the glory of Jesus, so that from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, you are weighted. There's a heaviness, there's a substantialness to your life where you're not tossed. Every every wind, every wave does not toss you. You are anchored. You say that with me, I am anchored anchored. in the glory of God. I am not superficial. I am not frivolous. I am am fundamentally fundamentally aligned aligned and in allegiance allegiance with the weight of my God. God. And I just want you to say this with me. I will not be shaken. shaken. Say it again. I I will not be shaken. See, some of us, we lost our way a little bit. We were pursuing Jesus hard, and it got painful. Or it got confusing. But it's still Him you're pursuing. And you love Him because He first loved you. I declare over you safety. I declare over you that you are the righteous ones. You're running into a strong tower, and you are safe. The Lord is that strong tower. I know there's a lot of imagery, rivers, glory, towers, but it's all part of his provision. Lord, they are yours and you are theirs and nothing can separate them from that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you spread that joy around, even if you weren't up here, but would you spread that joy around with... Hugs and when you, would you just say, I'm sharing my joy with you today. I'm sharing my joy with you today. Hey, brother. Hey. <laughs>